0: Welcome to The Vinyl Crawl, episode number eight. I'm your host, Alan Miller. This one is going to be slightly different than some of the last episodes we've done, where we've kind of taken one album, one beer, and discussed what we like, don't like about the beer in the album. This one's going to be more of like a a commentary. I'm going to be doing it solo, um, and it's going to be a commentary over... An album that I really like, which I hope to do these from time to time just to kind of um, display an album that maybe not a lot of my listeners have heard before. And, and maybe you'll hear something you enjoy on it and it might become one of your favorite albums, too. So uh, the first episode I'm going to do like this is for uh, an album by a band called Slug, which is really just uh, Ian Black. It's kind of his his project that he titled Slug. Um, and the album is called ripe. It came out in 2015. It made my top three albums of the year. I believe, um, I I listened to it quite a bit and really enjoyed it. Uh, it's kind of like a, um, it's really hard to define, but it's very funky. It's got a lot of prog elements to it. Um, it has some characteristics of his past projects with, um, another Sunderland UK band called Field Music uh, but but really it's it's just kind of an odd um, and very uh, different album than what we normally hear um, you know every day on the radio or on um, even on like satellite radio and whatnot. I, I don't really hear much coming out right now that sounds a lot like this so it immediately caught my attention when I first heard it so that's why I kind of want to take an episode and just talk about it and let you hear it so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop the needle on it and I'm going to let it play and I'm just going to kind of give some commentary over it while it plays through it's not a very long album you know it's 30 minutes and some change so um, it's a real easy listen in one sitting so uh, let me get the record queued up and we'll get going so the way you can listen along with me while I'm doing commentary over it is um ripe is available on most digital formats i believe so the one that i've listened to it on before is spotify so if you want um while you're listening to the podcast pull it up in spotify and go ahead and hit play right now The thing starts with this really strange kind of intro called Grimacing Mask. It's kind of evocative of what a lot of the prog bands used to do that I always thought was really cool. Genesis would do this from time to time. And I think, you know, Pink Floyd were kind of known for that. Um, but I just really dig it. It's, it's a nice way to start an album. So this track's called Cockad Rabbit Wrapped in Plastic, which is a mouthful of words to say. And I'm not even sure exactly what that means. I think the wrapped in plastic might be a nod to Twin Peaks, but that's just a guess. I have no idea what he's even talking about here. Got to make a quick note on the production here. It is absolutely fantastic. Like the way the instruments come through on, (coughs) excuse me, on like each side of your headphones, it's, it's just fantastic. I absolutely love it. I Actually, interviewed Ian last year for uh, Modern Vinyl for the website, and I had to ask him about that guitar sound because it's the weirdest thing. It's like uh, if you're into guitars or playing music at all, it's kind of like an octave sound that's really distorted and kind of, and it kind of farts out a little bit and breaks up. It's just really unique. think that's actually what's making that kind of sound on a solo too when he lets the notes ring out for a little while it's called a prunes and custard it's like um it's a kind of like a boutique guitar effect
1: Now we're into the third track, Shalala. It's
0: a really interesting drum beat on this one. It's kind of like, um, It's a little bit like bossa nova maybe or something, you know, kind of like on, on break on through with the doors, but it just works really well with kind of the, the muted surf guitar thing. It's really interesting. One other thing I hadn't really talked about, I don't think is how all the songs kind of have a flow to them and and flow into each other, which is also very evocative of, you know, classic prog albums, the way the songs never truly end, they just kind of keep flowing through different movements.
1: Had to get the synthesizer come in. That's got to have it.
0: And that thing absolutely destroys me right there where the time kind of slows just a little, uh, it's so good. And you almost think it's like just a trick. Like you think it's just your mind playing a trick on you, but I think they are actually slowing it just a hair. It's like you're, it's like you're holding tape in between your fingers and like slowing it just a little. It's awesome. And now we're into eggs and eyes. It's a really neat kind of call and response thing they did with that with the falsetto against the, you know, the normal normal vocal part. Nice lush harmony comes in on that chorus when they're drawing out the the IEI part. It's pretty pretty cool. So yeah, I remember the first time I listened to the album all the way through, by the time I got to this track and probably around this part, I was thinking like, my God, is he not going to have a misstep somewhere? Because everything up to here is absolutely perfect. And it was kind of just blowing my mind that like it was it was flowing so well, and I didn't hear any kind of stuff that I didn't think was absolutely awesome so far. The thing that's really cool about his solo playing is it's not very showy at all. It's very um it kind it just it fills in the spot where it needs to be filled in the song and and does exactly what it's supposed to do, but in that it's really really awesome.
1: like they're shaking the living shit out of that tambourine in the background too perfect transition into the next song greasy mind
0: this is probably one of the like more straight up just funk rock tracks on the album i mean the whole thing's funky but this one really gets in the pocket This is probably another good time to talk about just how good Peter and David Bruis's production is on this. They're the two guys from Field Music. Um, God damn, it's good. Like, there's just enough air in there where you can hear each instrument just right, but it still sounds nice and and tight. It's so hard to explain, but it's just a really good production technique. That's probably my favorite solo on the whole the whole album. <laughs> it's just bat shit. Like, it's, I mean, it's like crank every knob you can all the way up and we'll just hit some stuff and it's going to kick ass. You know, listen to the album like this and talking about it, it kind of, it makes me sad that I don't feel like we really do this much anymore with albums. You know, we don't, you know, throw a CD or a record on and just sit around and talk about it, which is, I don't know, it's strange and it's kind of, kind of sad that we don't still do that. Once again, we have a cymbal swell into the next track, which is Shake Your Loose Teeth. This whole album just moves. It's got such good movement to it. Everything just keeps, keeps moving along like a well old machine. I don't even think I could list how many different percussion objects there are on this album. It's like every time... Every time a new song starts, you have a new little percussion bit that comes in. It's, it's awesome. Should also note again, like, even up to this point, the first time I listened to the album, I was like, man, there has not been a single track that I didn't like. I still love it all. I, it's crazy.
1: You know, we're coming up on
0: Record Store Day 2016 pretty soon. Um, it's 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 mid March when I'm recording this right now, so I've got a lot of record store day memories around this album because it came out, uh, I believe it came out in April of 2015, and it was a few days before record store day, Um, and I, I I was working at the shop with Matt helping him out at his record store. Um, I'll put in a little plug for him, Mellow Matt's Music and More in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we were stocking up everything for record store day. And he had just got this album shipped in from the UK because I'd pre ordered it. And we spun it the night we were doing all the record store day stocking. It was it was a really good album for stocking records just for the simple fact that it's pretty upbeat and it's fairly danceable and you know everybody was having a good time listening to it. It was that's really good memory. I noticed they like to do that kind of call and response vocal thing quite a bit in the songs, which I think works well with this type of music. Um, It gives it, you know, some theatrical flair. So here's the first kind of break to the album, in my opinion, um, and this next track is called "Weight of Weight of Violence." It's um, it's different. Um, but it's kind of like um, I'm turning the record over right now, but it's kind of like a Eno-ish, maybe is a correct way to describe it. Um, it's steel drums, so it's, it's all instrumental. Um, I don't know. I, 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 know I took a pause the first time I listened to the album because it kind of caught me off guard, especially being the first track on uh, side B. Um, but you, you know, it's, it's a good track. It's just, it's just different. Should also mention it's one of two instrumental tracks on the album. It almost sounds like something that that could like if we still were doing the Pure Moods CD set, like this is something that would fit fit in really well on there. And I mean that's a compliment because I absolutely loved the the fucking first Pure Moods CD. I played the shit out of that when I was a kid. That was like my go to bed soundtrack, and it was <laughs> it was like my everyday soundtrack. I absolutely loved it.
1: Kind of really nice
0: bass hits on the still drums, too. It's got a good thud to it. I mean, I don't know if you could, like, you know, cruise the strip and kick the bass up on your car or anything and play it, but it does have a really good thud. And here's one of the really, in my opinion, highlights of the album. This is Running to Get Past Your Heart. really cool like uh stop start things they're doing there too. I like that when it does the um when it does like the little stops and the snare rolls. And when I interviewed Ian, I actually asked him about this track in particular because it it sounds so heavy like the drums are just really really heavy sounding and he said that when they were in the studio they just kind of they cranked up the levels on everything just to max them out and distort them as much as they could which helped to um to make the drums sound really thick and chunky and, and distorted. And then we get a kazoo solo, which is pretty rad. Like, when's the last time you heard a kazoo solo on a track? By the way, if you get a chance, I don't know if it's still up or not, but Slug played on the Mark Riley show um, on the BBC. You can, you can search it um, and find it. They did a, a live deal that was really good. And one of the tracks they did was Running to Get Past Your Heart. Might have been the only track they did, but I think they did one other. So here's the other instrumental track. It's called Ping Ping, I think. P-E-N-G. I think that's pronounced ping. this whole piano sequence here is very evocative of Italian horror and it's, it's done really well. And then it kind of morphs into more of um, what I feel like is uh, more like Richard Wright from Pink Floyd, his style of piano playing Al- almost to the point of like, um, well, when this part comes in, yeah, the slide here, To me, that's very evocative of early Pink
1: Floyd. Sounds really nice.
0: If I had to choose between the two instrumental tracks, I definitely enjoy this one better. Um, It just has a lot more movement and emotion to it, I think, than maybe the weight of violence.
1: A lot of chord changes, too. There's just a lot of movement in this song.
0: I, I want to say this song might be his progiest track on the whole album. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say that. So now we're getting into the two last songs, which to me are kind of, in my eyes, kind of companion pieces. The first one here is called Kill Your Darlings, and the, the one after is called At Least Show That You Care the thing that I hear in both of these two is they're a little more menacing than the rest of the album. Like they have a little more edge to them.
1: Gotta have claps. The claps fit. It's perfect.
0: I I can't really pinpoint what it is about it that makes it a little more menacing to me, but it's, um, I mean, you know, the word kill is in the song title, but it's like, there's, there's certain notes that he's hitting like on those piano bits every now and then one of those notes would just be a little, um, a little menacing. Once again here, we're getting into a little bit of the, uh, the horror soundtrack territory, which is awesome. I wish to God more musicians would dive into that sort of thing because there's a wealth of music that could be found and used as inspiration from uh, people like Fabio Frisi and other Italian, um, you know, horror composers. Lots of good stuff there. Really interesting harmony there, too. So now we're getting to the the last track, which, you know, I read a Pitchfork review of this album not too long ago, and they compared it to Ghost Town, and maybe, maybe I can get that, but I don't know. This has a little bit of the of the ska feel, but at the same time, it, it's like, it's, it's slightly more unhinged than that sort of thing. It has, like I said earlier, it has an edge to it. I find this track unsettling. I love it. But I find it unsettling kind of in the same way that I find certain Sid Barrett tracks unsettling. Like, I'm just not sure what he was thinking about when he was writing it. A lot of musical shifts going on in this track like it it just it jumps around a bit I really I like I love that though I love when a a group or a band or whoever will take a track and and just kind of chop different bits together and then try to mesh them it I like that sort of thing a lot And that's it for the album, ending it with a nice cymbal crash there. So yeah, it's you know I've listened to it all the way through probably fifteen times now I'd say, and I've listened to individual tracks, um, you know, at different times, just one at a time. But I really enjoy this album as a full experience, and I'm you know I'm pretty sure it's meant to be taken in that way, and I, I think it it works perfect there. Each side kind of has its own feel to it. Side A, in my opinion, is definitely a much more upbeat side than side B. But they both have really awesome kind of ebbs and flows to them. So if you enjoyed it, um, I would highly suggest buying the, uh, the album on white vinyl. I believe they still have them available um, at the shop. His website is uh, www.slugband.co uk and that's s-l-u-g-b-a-n-d dot c-o dot uk uh, and it's got options for you know you can buy a download you can buy the cd you can buy the white vinyl which is the same thing i have get a download code with it i highly recommend it it's a great album um like i said it was my top three 2015 so uh go out and buy it if you like it at all go out and buy it worthy worthy, worthy purchase so I hope you enjoyed this uh, kind of different commentary thing. I hope to do these in the future with some other albums that I really liked that, um, that you might not have heard of or you might have heard of and just want to see you know, what somebody else thinks of it. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you again on the next Vinyl Crawl.